Welcome to the 35th episode of Let's Conquer Books. Jack Ma, in his biography book, Alibaba, The House That Jack Ma Built, said, If you don't give up, you still have a chance. And when you are small, you have to be very focused and rely on your brain, not on your strength. In this episode, I talk about the three things Isaac Isimov says you need to do to become educated, which are expand the boundaries of your imagination, learn at the edge of your knowledge, and respect the importance of self-education. So let's get into it. I'm your host, Alexander the Great Reader, and this is a podcast where we read, study lessons, and build our inner power, because the next level we will reach does not tolerate cowards. This episode is inspired by Isaac Isimov. I've talked about him in the previous episode, and he is someone Elon Musk credits as the builder of his philosophy by reading his books. He's written and edited over 500 books, which is amazing. And he's a famous sci-fi writer, mostly famous for his Foundation series. It's a three-book series, and it's the one that Eli Musk was influenced by. So the first one he talks about is expanding the boundaries of the imagination. He says knowledge may give us a foundation and teach us to reason well, but it's only the imagination that defines the boundaries of possibility. Like I always do, I give examples of the books I've read and how they've impacted me. Now, Ready Player One is a movie influenced by the book by Ernest Klein. I read the book and it's really good and the movie's also good. Now, what I got from the book is that you need to be around passionate, like-minded people online. That's where we're heading. Personally, I don't have a lot of people around me that read a lot of books, are looking to engage in very intellectual conversations. But online, you can do that. And the same thing in a movie. He was the main character had friends all around the world that were like minded, that were very into the life of the developer of the game who had created this prize that they were all going after. And he knew a lot and they were helping each other. And today in age, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, online, you go on Instagram. There's a lot of forums, a lot of places where you can connect with like minded people. I also learned that human psychology never changes. Even though there's all these expansions and accelerations of technology, humans are still looking to cheat, steal, connive, backstab, but also unite against evil, against wrong, against injustice. And goodness always prevails. Even though there's all this technology happening, you know, that psychology of the human is always there. Video games are the future. That's another thing that expanded my imagination. 
in the movie, they were talking. Of, they were sh- he was showing that everybody's poor, the economy, but the video game world was profitable. And we're heading into it. I, I've read things about universal basic income, and there's a lot of jobs that are going to be eliminated. I don't know if there's somehow some way to create video games into these people to make it fun to learn new skills, create new values, or be part of the integration of augmented reality, virtual reality, video games. So be part of that future that's coming. There's a lot of esports. Maybe there's going to be a day where everybody, because in the movie he's running and every he's like on a treadmill and can physically feel things with that suit. You know, maybe that's how sports are heading where it's that way. Now with all these issues with CTE and hitting each other in the head and injuries, it's going to change. And maybe esports is the future. Expanding my imagination and Twitch, which is that new platform that, you know, you record yourself and people subscribe and you're playing video games and people are watching you. And that was happening there in the movie where people are watching each other. Especially at the end, the whole world was watching him when he was trying to win the last game to get the key and get the fortune and control of the company. Another book is The Stranger by Albert Camus. Now, this is my imagination went into the mind of a sociopath because he was dealing with a lot of feelings of how people were viewing him. And he didn't understand that why he wasn't crying at his mother's funeral why he wasn't really reacting to the murder he committed, not reacting to his girlfriend that wants to marry him, his bosses. So there's all these feelings he's going through and feelings that others are telling him and he's not reacting to too. So you're kind of in his mind and it's pretty messed up to be a a sociopath because he really doesn't get it. He doesn't see why these people are acting this way or feeling this way. So you're see, seeing him from the outside and seeing him from the inside. It's a great book. It's an expand your imagination with, where you're having this battle inside of you of understanding the sociopath and why he can't communicate and understand society and then society not understanding the sociopath. But you're seeing it on both sides. The Old Man in the Sea is another good one by Ernest Hemingway. It's a classic. What I it, it opened my imagination up to never give up. This guy's battling for days against this fish that he's been dreaming to fight because of the size and everything. And he's always having these challenges of the sharks eating him, the lines messing up. It's just one challenge after another, but he doesn't give up. It opened my imagination on the journey. I've always heard... A lot of coaches, people who are in the industry of motivating, of helping people get the best out of them. And they always say, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And this man, in the story of the old man in the sea, he was enjoying that whole time. It was horrendous experience when you're reading it, but you can tell he was enjoying it. Like he was living. Everything culminated to that moment of fighting this big fish. And the sad thing about it, but, you know, it's the truth is that you're only good as your last success is what that book told me, because 
he was very praised as a fisherman. And then he went on a little losing streak and people forgot about him. Then he went to get this big catch and now everybody's interested in him. So that's just the reality of life. The second one is learn at the edge of knowledge. Now, Isaac Eisenmaut says the mark of an effective mind is clarity. And this kind of clarity takes a lot of work to get to. By teaching and playing at the border of your understanding, we work our way closer. So this is a issue of expanding your knowledge by pushing to limits that you're reading and you feel like I don't really understand. I understand a little bit, but you're pushing those limits of understanding. The book I'm going to use, for example, is Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. It's a famous book. It's well praised. But for me, it was a very difficult book to read. I remember learning about our history as sapiens, this cognitive revolution where our imaginations have evolved. And then we go into this agricultural revolution where we develop new technologies and techniques for agriculture. Then there's the unification of the human kind where we're gradually consolidating human political organizations towards this one global empire. And then we head into the scientific revolution, which is the emergence of objective science. Now, all that sounds crazy and I still don't understand it, but I dabbled in that world and now I can push that boundary a little more. To one day, Sapiens is an easy read. Another one is Super Intelligence by Nick Bostrom. This is a difficult read. I can't even believe I read through the whole thing. And this is about artificial intelligence. I remember reading a story about paper clips. Like, the AI is designed to efficiently produce at low cost, at fast speeds, paper clips. And this task is given to the AI and he ends up turning the whole world into paper because he gets so efficient. Or another computer is designed to solve the computational equation of pi and he turns everything into computational material and ones and zeros where everything in the world is that and he ends up solving pi. Intelligence you know, fills the earth with processors and memory banks so he can answer questions better, which would suck living in a world full of processors and memory banks. So you see that this book pushed the limits of my knowledge where I didn't really know much of that, but I know a little now and now I can keep pushing. Another book is Think Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, another book that is praised and won, I think, a Nobel Prize in economics. And I really didn't know much of behavioral economics. And I learned about system one, which is the fast, automatic, frequent, emotional, stereotypic, unconscious. You know, you make that fast decision and more of your subconscious. System two is slow, effortful, infrequent, logical, calculating, conscious. And it's more of your conscience, what you're thinking and processing. And then I learned about the anchoring effect, which names our, our tendencies to be influenced by irrelevant numbers. So if we're shown higher, lower numbers, it kind of anchors us on the answers we'll give. So 
you know, when they do experiments, they kind of show them these numbers and then the subjects end up giving similar responses because they anchored them prior to this experiment. The availability heuristic in this book is a mental shortcut that occurs when people make judgments about probability of events on the basis of how, how easy it is to think of examples. So if you can quickly think of examples, then you would your your mind is going to be like, man, that's possible because of all the examples you could come up of the possibility of it happening. The third thing is respect the importance of self-education. Isaac Eisenhower said, great teachers don't give us facts to memorize. They instill a curiosity, a respect for learning that ensures that whatever it is that is being taught gets absorbed naturally. Now, I like a lot of subjects, a lot of genres, a lot of different type of uh, book reading genres. But I also like the subject of finance. I used to trade in a hedge fund. I like the whole world of finance. So I was attracted to Nassim Taleb and the book Fooled by Randomness. And it was a great book. It was like I, I, I learned my curiosity took me to learn something naturally. And I learned that random is not as non-random, meaning don't overestimate causality. Like if you see something like he put it as if you see an elephant in the sky, you know, that's just random. Don't be like, oh, I saw an elephant in the sky. And then, oh, there's another one and another one. You're going to tend to mold those other claws into that, thinking that, oh, this is not a random event. And you're going to do that in your investing where you make this one type of investment and then you think it's going to happen again and again because it looks similar to the investment you win. Um, We also tend to view the world as more explainable than it really is. So we try to explain things like, Oh, like, you know, Catholics see Maria and walls and they'll be like, no, look her face and eyes. And this is a place that uh, this and that happened. They'll explain why this Maria's on the wall. Survivorship bias. We see the winners and try to learn from them while forgetting the huge numbers of losses. So he's talking about only focusing on the winners and studying the winners and not really seeing why we're getting these huge losses. Losses because we're more in need of gains and nobody wants losses, but we're more in need of gains and we just keep looking into those wins and trying to analyze and figure out what we did in those wins. Skew distributions. Many real life phenomenon are not 50-50 bets like tossing a coin, but have various unusual and counterintuitive distributions. Uh, that's just like you're thinking that if it goes up or down, and it's like it looks like it's gonna go down that's the bet bet that is going down but there could be a lot more into it especially when trading stocks that you know it might go down a little then go straight up and you're like hey why didn't it go down and how did why did it do that maneuver so don't look at skewed distributions is what i've learned from there uh win the last book i'm going to talk about oh no there's one more win by daniel pink it's another good book you know i feel i figured out um the book is about like when to make decisions, when to do things. So I figured out about the chronotype to produce your best work. You know, the lark, the owl, and the third bird. Uh, so those are the t- three type of people. So you, you might be a person that 
when you should do things is in the morning or you know around the evening or late at night you that's when you should figure out your regular breaks you should take regular breaks you know strategically he says you know 15 minutes for every 57 minutes worked uh, nappuccinos you know taking a, a coffee right before you take a nap you know that's when you should do take that coffee there's an emotional pattern to each of us to follow on in a given day. So they did a tweet study and they seen that people's tweets in the morning, they're, you know, you, you can tell that they're feeling pretty good in the afternoon. They're just trying to stay awake in the evening. There's that rebound. You're out of work and your tweets are getting more positive. The last book is The 12 Rules of Life by Jordan Peterson. I've always liked him and I wanted to learn a little more. And he, you know, he teaches you stand up straight with your shoulders back. You know, and oftentimes our feelings follow our physiology. So when you don't feel confident, stand up taller and with your shoulders back. It's just a posture thing. When you're you know, going to talk to somebody, when you're going to do something that's uncomfortable. Another rule he has is treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. So you need to articulate your principles, discipline yourself and keep the promises you make to yourself. Make friends with people who want to the best from you. It's another good rule, you know, stop hanging around people who support your bad habits and instead surround yourself with people who want you to succeed and push you to do so. So there you have it. The action step for this episode is, you know, expand the boundaries of your imagination by reading fiction books. Don't just read nonfiction. Read some fiction books. Learn at the edge of knowledge by reading books that you have little understanding about. You know, I gave examples of how I've been doing that. And respect the importance of self-education by reading books that are naturally appealing to what you're curious about. Thank you, listeners, for over 2,400 plays and downloads. Uh, the reading challenge right now, I'm at 139 books out of 140. I'm going to have to change that. And let's connect on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm mainly on Instagram, a little bit on Twitter. I'm looking for show ideas, show interviews, anything book-related. Let's connect. Let's talk. Let's create that community like they did in Ready Player One. Catch you on the next one. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or any other podcasting platform so you don't miss the next episode where I talk about the book Bad Blood. Because this book has to be made into a Hollywood movie.